Blog Talk Radio. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is Mr. Jasper Cole coming to you live from West Hollywood, California today. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Ralph Cole Jr. Hey, Ralph, how are you? Hey, Jasper, thank you for having me. I'm coming to you live from Black Beverly Hills, also known <laughs> as also known as Windsor Hills View Park. And View Park? I'm, Yes, and I am feeling very vibrant today because we have two fabulous guests that will be joining us during this program. And um, I just want to thank you and Planet Eartha for allowing us to enter into your car, your living room, your, your vaginas, whatever, your vaginas, wherever, whatever opening you have to hear us. Um, we right. Are, we are not. A, we are not a stranger to the vagina. Okay, no stranger at all. Hello. We are not gold star gays. Okay. (laughs) You know, that's guys that have never been with women. Uh, What is it? What are they called? They're called the gold star gays. Oh, gold star. Why? Why did they get a gold star? Because they... Uh, Well, I I guess they're special because they've only, they've never, they've only, you know, been with the penis. Well, you know, it's interesting when we, you know, I know we're joking par- partially, but, you know. Doesn't are we really, though? Are, are we really? <laughs> doesn't it make sense that we all should have had physical contact with both sexes to make us totally a whole human being? Like, when you think about it, if you grow up as a woman all your life or a man all your life and have never touched or been physical with somebody who is is of the same sex, that's kind of like, you know, you're kind of missing out on something. It's not that you have to always do it, but it just seems natural that you would have. I mean, God, when we're all in the locker room growing up and, you know, because our parents or, or society is pushing us to go play sports and be with the guys, and then you're on the football course and, and a football field and, or the golf course, because um, I want you to know that I do know the difference between sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Rob, they both, they both involve balls, but they're balls, different they, balls, right? Yeah, yeah, different kind of balls. Okay, so then later you're all hot and sweaty. You guys are all taking a shower like oh my god of course you're going to look at each other's penises and bodies i mean that doesn't even make sense how How do we even go on how do we even segue to this well because i'm a segwayer and (laughs) i like and i like to push buttons and you know and let me tell you something right now and this is the truth oh my god listen when i was at emerson junior high school here in westwood everyone just put your feet up keep going ralph it won't take long. It won't take mm-hmm. long. Listen, okay. and, and 
I was in 1957. Uh, in 1970-something, uh, when I was attending junior high school, I, went, I attended with Marlon Jackson and Michael Jackson, formerly with the Jackson Oh, Fons. wait. Let me and, pick those names up. Sorry. Hold on. Let me bend over yeah, and get those. Yeah, bend, yeah. Over, bend over like you do in touch football and pick up those names. And we were all naked together waiting in line to oh, take a shower. Oh, my God. So, yes, mm-hmm. I have been naked with Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. So, but the point I'm making is there's so many jokes there that I can't. I'm just gonna let oh that god, that, go that's out. a whole other show. But I mean, doesn't it make sense that you would look at each other? I mean, that, that'd be like if like just what you're gonna just walk through the shower. Room okay, but you're making okay. There's a big leap from looking at somebody and having sex with them. I mean, I was just saying that the gold star gay thing was that it's a gay man who's never had sex with a woman. Mm. I mean. Yeah, I've never heard so, of that expression before. Oh, Ooh, really? Coffee. I think for for once I felt like I I'm up on the lingo. Wow, this coffee is so good that I made. Um, Michael, you oh, have this coffee from Nicaragua. Uh, Ralph and I both are drinking our coffee. I, I wish you could see Ralph now. He's wearing an orange. Is that a jumpsuit, Ralph? What is that? Well, I like to call call it overalls, but if you want to call it a jumpsuit, that sounds. I thought quiet. it might be called a romper. <laughs> Just a sensible little romper, you know? Oh, that that shit is hilarious. Well, you know, speaking of... That's not gay or anything, so... No. (laughs) Listen, I think I'll wear my orange romper on the show today. But, you know, (laughs) speaking of, like we were talking about, you know, um, same sex. I mean, this is a parallel. This, What I'm about to say is... Mercedes, our guest who is coming on, she was asked once in an interview. I don't know if she's listening to this. She may never come on. She may never come on. But she was in an interview and she was asked, do you be do you prefer to be called an actor or an actress? And her Mm -hmm. answer was wonderful. She said, it's all semantics. I'm a person that likes to perform and create characters. So you call me whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? (laughs) I love that. I love that. As long as as the check is clearing, just call it whatever you want. You can call me an actress if you want. I don't care. Okay. As long as long as that. And um, they probably have before behind my back. (laughs) Well, you know, that gives me a nice segue. I hope you don't mind me getting to tout you for once because you never like to talk about yourself. But Planet Eartha, I would like you to know that today on BET Plus streaming platform, you can find Jasper's Jasper Cole's introduction into the meaty drama, The Family Business, based on Carl Weber's novels. Um, It's a a riveting program. Um, It's um, uh, about season season three. Yes, season three. Thank you, Ralph. Oh, well, you're welcome. Jack. You never talk about yourself. You never like you're very self-effacing like that. And it's important to know that planet Earth knows this, you know. And Well, and- here's a great example to tell everyone, you know, I, I don't talk about stuff because a lot of times I don't know. Am I still in it? You know, did I make the cut? You know, I mean, apparently I'm at least in one episode. I mean, we, so I always just I like to talk about the experience of doing it, obviously. And then, of course, if if. Ralph and I always say we first of all we we get the audition if they don't cancel it then we audition and we we book it sometimes you're put on a veil or a pen and then you 
finally book it. And then you've got to get to the set and shoot it. <laughs> and then after you shoot it, you got to wonder if you make it through the edit, you know? So there's all these stages as I'm sure Mercedes can relate to um, oh, as well. Yeah, definitely. But let me just counter you. Let me just say right there for this particular project, Jasper did not audition for it. It was a straight offer for him. And those are other options that actors sometimes get depending on whom you know, whether it's a producer or a director who has worked with you in the past, knows that there is an available role that you would be right for. Sometimes they bypass the entire audition process completely and just call you directly or call your agent, you know, and say, are you, yeah. you know, is Jasper or Ralph available for these dates? It's happened to all of us. And, you know, everything you look. It's Jasper. all case by case. But thank you, Ralph. Yeah. I'm, really, I'm really proud of the, of the series. It's really um, Ernie Hudson's amazing. Your, your friend, our friend Valerie Pettiford, who plays um, the matriarch on the show, Darren Henson. Uh, then, of course, our, our wonderful Denise Boutet makes her debut this season. Um, on the show, Miguel Nunez Jr. I mean, there's just really the a list solid... goes on. Yeah, it's a really solid cast, and it's very diverse. You know, I mean, there's very. an Irish family, they're Asian, they're Latino, so they have really uh, covered all the buttons. That's what we have to do now, you guys, Planet Earth. You know how society is. You can't do shit these days unless you have an Eskimo and an Indian and a Mexican up in there. Okay, gone are <laughs> can we? Are we say? Can we say Eskimo? Is that I don't? Is it? Indigenous? I don't even know. I, I don't, I don't know. even know what the hell we can even say. We can't say um, plantation shutters, you know. So you know. No, nor should, we can't say master bedroom or master bathroom, bathroom either. Listen, you see them. Should, we should not be saying yeah. You know, can you see them slats over there on the wall? Slats? What do you mean? Them plantation shutters? Ooh, can't say that. Yeah, but I don't like saying. Or, I always like saying Oriental. And then the other day. I was oh. on the phone with somebody, and I was calling myself Negro, and they were like, ooh. And I was like, don't be ooing me. In 1968, my mother was filling out an application, and when it said race, she wrote Negro, because that's what we were then. Isn't it funny how you can be born with the skin that I have, my beautiful brown skin, <laughs> and then and then throughout Being each, hum- humble as you are, yes. I humble as I am, and then throughout each decade, it changes. You know, I'm colored. I'm Negro. I'm black. I'm African American. What's it going to be in the next decade? You know what I'm saying? So right. it is. And then, well, and you of know, course, oh. you can get away. You can call yourself a Negro because you are a black person. And, you know, it's like in the gay community with every subculture. I mean, people can use certain phrases that someone else should not, you know, or cannot. But, right. but like yeah, you said, I, I think it's it's because the word Negro is way too close to a horrible word, right? Exactly. So it's, but it's but really yes, but this, a little close know, when you start to say it. It is a little close, but you know, Negro in Spanish, Negro, as Mercedes will attest to, means black. So you know what I right. mean. It, like she said, she said it perfectly. It's all about semantics. You know, our society now, since this pandemic, has changed so many things, which leads me into a segue about Mark Ridley Thomas, our Los Angeles councilman, oh, who is now hey. allegedly accused of bribery and uh, 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 an affair, uh, not an affair, a sexual affair, but a liaison with a former dean of USC. 
when you betray, who's like eighty four years old now, 80, by the way, exactly. And when you and he betray, did a lot of this for his son. It's exactly. kind of like the it's the Felicity Huffman, Lori Loughlin thing. I was exactly, but he was using his his you know his um, position on the city council, right? To yes, to exactly. get all this stuff for his son. Exactly, exactly. Felicity and Lori, I was going to bring that. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I hope Felicity. <laughs> I was thinking, I hope Felicity. I'm sure listening. she's listening. She has to be listening. Going, oh, they better put that Negro up in jail because <laughs> because because if I have to do it, then he has to do it. Where's the difference there, Felicity? Well, I think he did a lot worse. She only spent. Ten, allegedly $10,000 to help her poor daughter get in to take a test. He, he minimally got $100,000 in, in bribes and kickbacks and stuff. And I'm sure they're going to, after it's all said and done, it's going to be probably a million dollars worth. I'm sure. Well, I'm surprised they hadn't brought up the comparison. I haven't heard on the news yet the comparison between Felicity and Lori. And Lori spent a lot more than Felicity did to get her girls in. So and Lori, the by same. the way, Lori's back on the set. She's back on her her series. She, you know, the Hallmark, the guy that left Hallmark to start a Great American Channel. He took he took all the quote white stars of Hallmark. Lori's back on the set. She's, um, you know, I'm working with the Hallmark situation right now, and yeah. A, she was on set, and my friend got a call from the makeup trailer and says, "Hi, say hi to Lori. She's sitting right here." And yeah, she's you know, back, it's just back working. I mean, look at our society. I mean, it's just amazing. It's like she is sitting on set as though nothing ever happened, and she kind of was very cavalier throughout the whole thing because first she and her husband just denied it a whole thought you know, it, it. and she it, laughed at the whole thing. And then one day she was like, "Okay, yeah, I did it," and you know, the <laughs> How much and they're huge you- Trump supporters, you know, both her husband and she. So they're both Trump supporters, and they both come from that Trump school of like, we can get away with anything. We, you know, we're we're privileged. We're white. You know, I I know. Yeah, it's just disgusting. It is disgusting, but see, Jasper, that's the thing. When Felicity and Lori were doing this, they were using their celebrity dumb, hoping to get their children. Sure. Into the school. No different than what Mark Ridley Thomas did using his celebrity dumb in the political world to get his son in. It's no different than they need to fry his ass. And because, <laughs> uh, because a, a colleague before his served 18 months or something in prison, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm going through like wishing bad on people, but we, because of this pandemic, a lot of society now is like, you know what, we are not going to get let this, we're not going to take this anymore. And this has got to change, and that's exactly why IATSE, our uh, union, our crew union, teamsters and crew, teamsters yes, are all are are legitimately up in arms. And they thought the pandemic and this whole COVID thing was going to help their cause, and it has only worsened their cause. Yeah. And that is why, you know, as scary as a strike is, because we all like to work, work is less now than ever. So a strike is going to make it even less. But these studios have to hold themselves accountable. How do these studio heads allow all of this to happen? You know, it's like when these. Well, men- it's very it's simple. I mean, this has been going on. The SAG has been rolling over for the producers for years. The writers go rolls over for the producers. They that's why the reason we, we get less and less and less is because our own unions have never stood up to the producers. 
finally, I ought to say, say enough already. You know, and when you start hearing these stories, how horrible, I mean, I didn't realize how horrible the crew is treated and their, their turnaround times and not, uh, not allowing them to follow the rules. And, you know, sometimes these people are working 12, 14, and 15 hours and they have to turn around and come back in like six hours. They're no, not getting I mean, the full turnaround. It's horrible. It, it really, really is horrible. And, and this is why, oh, God, I'm like, you know, chills through my body. It's like, yeah, something does have to change, you guys. They let this go on and on. And every set that I am on, the crew people are fierce. They're the They're workers. Like, they they do all that, the heavy lifting. They do they everything. They do everything. They do everything. And those men are so hot in their board shorts, as you know. I've talked <laughs> to you about this. They all look so good. But these people work their asses off, and they always have a smile on their face. And even if they don't have a smile on their face, we don't see it. You know, if Greg is telling Tom, listen, Tom, you need to go get a two-by-four beam and put this up there so the actor can stand on it, even if they don't want to, they just go and do it, and boom. Ten minutes later, there's a two or, or less than ten minutes. There's a two by four for the actor to stand on. Whatever you need, they end up doing with a smile on their face, knowing that they have barely showered. They haven't gotten to see their children because they've left before the kids got up. Then they yes. work all day long, hardly getting a lunch break because they have to work through lunch sometimes. Then they get home. Their kids are already in bed, and that cycle just goes on for twelve days in a row. And as yep. these as these uh, Teamsters were attesting to, and if you began, if you started your job as a single person, you'll most likely remain single because you know <laughs> well, you're not going to. You're be probably better off because you you're you're not going to have any time to spend with the family like you just said anyway. Right? Yeah, and you can't nurture any relationships. So what? You, so listen, it's all a horrible um, double. And, and let me just and, say too. I mean, they, most of us have a smile on our face when we're working because. We have a union behind us. We know we always feel as much as as much as I complain about SAG, you know, I get on a set and I'm always like, somebody's got my back here. Right. And so the, uh, the Teamsters always know or felt like, well, we our union has our back. But then you realize after the fact, no, they really don't have our back. And no, I'm no. working on a project right now and I can't say who it is, but a very a producer that's doing a series right now said on the phone on a Zoom call the other day, something came up about SAG contracts, and she said, fuck SAG, they work for us. And this mm-hmm. is a producer. She said, wow. fuck SAG, they work for us. Wow. That's a producer who already knows they, we own them. We own SAG. We tell them what to do, not the other way around. I was like, damn. Well, well I was just thinking, well, look at this double-edged sword. You, you, you're, you can't have a relationship. You're, you're single. You're now a teamster working in whatever department, art direction, script supervisor, script coordinator, whatever. You're on set 18 the fuck hours a day. So you start a relationship with somebody on set in another department. And then you both go to HR for you know, like having sex with each other. Okay. Like, so like on, the, on the morning show. Yeah. Right. So you, like you can't win. You know, it's like, you know, so things are going to change. Things have to change. And <clears throat> once again – like the Mark Ridley Thomas thing, it all boils down to public trust. We think we – like you just said. I mean look at what you just said. When you're on the set, you feel like, oh, I'm in a union. I'm covered. They've got my back. No, they don't when you're not getting residuals for what you just did 
or nope. when they're trying, or when they're trying, producers are putting a ceiling on how often our commercials are going to run, because um, uh, the producer said no. You know, before you know, God, you guys, Planet Earth, we used to be doing these commercials, and you'd make like fifty thousand dollars a year and more. Mm-hmm. Just with them always running ad nauseum, these commercials. Now the producers are like, okay, shift's only going to run thirty times, and that's that. They already you know, know ahead of time. And, you exactly. know, I would, say, I would say in over the last few years, guys, you know, commercials are going to go non-union. It's not going to affect anything. It, actors are going to go over, and sure enough, that's what's happened. That's, people don't understand the same thing can happen theatrically. I mean, we're right on the cusp of, of the producers and everyone saying, fuck it, we'll just do non-union. We'll go all non-union. There'll be, there'll be, if they offer enough pay, actors will go do it, period. So the same way the commercial industry has taken a hit, the same thing can, can happen with the theatrical world. So it's a, it's a really sticky wicky. But listen, I want to bring on our special guest because I'd love to get her perspective as um, a Canadian actress who, of course, now works in America. But I just want to pick her brain about so many things, but also about this whole potential strike. And, you know, we Americans... We, we have a love fest for Canadians, or at least I do. I find that I think most Canadians are just the way their country is run is so impressive. But our special guest is an amazing actress. She's an international actress. She's a native. Uh, she's a Canadian. Um, she's got so many projects. Her name is Mercedes De La Cruz. And at this time, let's welcome her. Hi, my dear. How are you? <laughs> Welcome. Wow. Wow. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. Hi, Mercedes. Welcome to the show. Okay, wow. good. Well, welcome, Bianca. <laughs> Hello. Wow. This, that was quite the applause. Yeah, we should well, have that, that every morning. It was <laughs> yes, when we know. wake up, right? We should, our alarm <laughs> clock should just be applause when we wake up in the morning. Congratulations. You did it. You made it to another You're... day. <laughs> Especially these, especially these days. Oh my God! Well, well. First of all, congrats on, congrats on everything you've accomplished and everything you have going on. You know, you've got two fellow thespians here with you. We love having fellow actors on the show, so we can just, you know, talk talk the biz. We, I don't know if you were listening to. We had gotten into a little bit talking about the, the pending strike and, um, right. What what are, what are your thoughts on that? Any any take on that? Well, I'm actually non-union. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I stayed non-union up until this point because I really liked helping my friends yeah. and, you know, these were like up and coming filmmakers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, people that were sort of just starting out or whatever. And I really liked helping them. So uh, I also made a lot of money doing commercials, and a lot of the commercials in Canada are non-union. Mm-hmm. So I I just remained non-union, and I just had to pay um, the permit when right. I would go and work on on, on union shows. Mm-hmm. So up until up until now, I mean, I'm I'm starting to get to a place where it's getting expensive. Right, right. <laughs> because I'm working on a lot more things. 
uh, and then well, I'll probably, probably cross that bridge. You're probably SAG eligible, right? You just haven't become a must going. Oh, they yeah. They send me something yeah. like every other month, but I yeah. just don't even open the mail. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know what's, yeah, what's really and, smart about that? That's very smart because for those of us, you know, otherwise you have to think about going FICOR, you know, financial core, where you you go to the union and say, I'm going to go non-union for financial reasons and blah, blah, blah. I think you've been smart to to do it the way you're doing it because that way you can you have sort of the best of both. Yeah, well, people always said like, well, I don't know if you're not union, like you're not going to look at you for union stuff, and that's bullshit. If they that's like bullshit. you, they don't care if you're union or non-union. They're they're going to go for you. Right, it's never been a problem. Especially I've never if you, if you say if they know you're SAG eligible, that's all that matters. I mean, quite frankly, because of the COVID. The last two years, SAG is so backed up that, you know, people are not working. They're still at home. Uh, I have a girlfriend. She's been trying to pay her, like, back dues for a year. It's the one time SAG is not, like, chasing her for money. They're not even returning her phone calls. I was like, well, don't even worry about it then. Just let them wow. deal with it. Yeah. Well, Mercedes, but, let me ask you this. As a non-union working, a regular working actor, actress, um, have you ever encountered any kind of horrendous problem on set that made you feel like, oh, if only I, if I, if only I were in the union, this would not be happening to me? Never. Okay. Never. I, you know what? I, I have to say, like, my life's awesome. <laughs> I create I a really incredible experience. I, everywhere I go, people are amazing to me. I've never been... I've never had any negative feelings on set. I've always had people help me, but I think it goes hand in hand with the the type of person that I am. Like I'm there Mm -hmm. to help. I'm Mm -hmm. there to collaborate and make the best thing going. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those drama queens on set. I'm like, what else can I do? What else can I do? Actually right now, I'm working on a project in Canada. I just did two back-to-back uh, MOWs. Those are movie of the week. Yes. Small made-for-TV movies, like Hallmark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Hallmark. And uh, I, there's, well, actually, right now, I just finished my one, um, uh, my one movie and then started another one right away. And the director was like, hey, do you want to shadow me? I, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. So I've, I've stayed on uh, for the production. And I'm like all day running around. I'm not even really supposed to be there, but I'm all day running around <laughs> like, what else can I do? Can I get you this? Can I get you that? You know, I had to leave to come and do your interview, uh, your, your, your little show right now. And I was like, okay, so what time can I, I'll come back after this. What do you guys have going on? I, I, I can read those lines, da, da, da. And like, you know, I'm not getting paid, but right. I want to be there. This, and Mercedes, this goes so far because all – I mean, look at this director that that volunteered for you to shadow him, and that's only because yeah. he's what a go-getter you are. This director is not going to every actor and actress who has been on his set she, going, hey, you want to – oh, she. This director, she's not going she, up to other actors saying, do you want to come and shadow me? You work mm-hmm. hard, and that always speaks volumes. Exactly. And then in turn, like, I always give respect and I've always gotten it back. Like, I hear people say horror stories or whatever about productions or set or 
complaining and like, that's just not my experience. That mm-hmm. never happens to me. I have the best life with the, with the best people in it. And I have the best experiences all the time on set, not just on set, but in life in general. Yeah, well, I told you, I told you, you're you're Canadian, and that's a big part of it. I'm not <laughs> kidding. I, it, I I work with a lot of Canadians. I've got because I also live in Palm Springs, so we have a lot of, you know, snowbird. We call them we call them snowbirds. You know that that live part time yeah. from Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal. And um, yeah, no, I think I think Canadians, you guys are are, are just awesome. And how has it been? Now, because I've, I've a lot of um, actor friends who've been going there to work, and they were having to do the long quarantines. Has that lifted now for mm-hmm. work, or, or is that still the same? Well, I've it it has lifted at this point. If you're vaccinated, double vaccinated, okay. um, and th- that is my experience, so that's right. right. But I had I'd moved to Belgrade, Serbia, last November. And oh. I had to come back a couple of times for shooting because, yeah, I'm, I'm living internationally now. I'm, I'm half the time in Belgrade, Serbia. The other half, I'm in Vancouver, Canada. And oh I've been going God. back and forth. And I've actually had to quarantine three times. <laughs> so <laughs> like a month and a half of my life I've spent in seclusion. Uh, but you know what? Every single time I've had to quarantine, it's been so beneficial, even right. just for me. Um, with my career, you know, I, I wanted to write, I had some time to write, I wanted to spend more time on uh, just other things with, you know, within goals that I had and being at home really like gave me that opportunity and that time to get those things done. Like, I, I don't, I, I actually really like quarantining as ridiculous yeah. as that sounds. <laughs> no, I think a lot of, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us ended up realizing oh wow I kind of like this you know it was a great reset time push the reset button yeah now do you have well to, I think you... there's something else there where oh sorry oh no you go on no go on Mercedes <laughs> I, I was just gonna say like I know for myself it's it's also this thing it's like I I knew I needed to slow down but I needed to get forced to do it right right <laughs> I think that's so true of all so many of us right it's like we didn't realize, yeah, we were forced to do it. And now I think a lot, it's changed pretty much everyone's take on things. I don't think people want to go back to how it was before. So that's been a, that's been a blessing. Now, everyone, if you just join us, our guest is the wonderful actress Mercedes De La Cruz. And is Instagram the best place for people to follow you, Mercedes? Is that Yeah, I'd say so. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with social media. I actually resisted social media for a really super long time until my agent was like, stop it. (laughs) People need to follow you. (laughs) So I gave in and I I started posting some stuff. And, you know, I'd, I'd modeled and stuff for many years. So I had a bunch of that stuff. And then I ran out of pictures. And she's like, well, I guess you're gonna have to start modeling again. So I picked up modeling again. So that I would have content. And, uh, yeah, so I am doing it. It's Mercedes De La Cruz 1 on Instagram. Yes, I I was going to let everyone know. And also, so let's talk, so you're, so have, how is it living in Serbia? You know, there's actually a lot of projects have been filmed in Serbia. Are you seeing that? Yeah. Yeah. What took you Yeah, no, it's been great. I, I didn't think I was going to be working there. To tell you the truth, I didn't even know what I was going to be doing there. I have a partner who is Serbian-Canadian, and when the pandemic 
uh, sort of started opening up a little bit last year, he was like, you know what? I don't want to live in the West anymore. I'm going to go to Serbia because, you know, whatever. He was born there. Right. And it's, and we've loved it. I mean, it's a beautiful place. The culture is fantastic. The fantastic. The food is amazing. Like it's, it, it, it is really wonderful. And it's right. also a good place to go if you don't speak the language because everybody there speaks a little English. So you can totally oh. get by and not know Serbian. Oh, good. Um, and then he asked me, he asked me to come down. And so I, at the time, like I hadn't been working and I, you know, it was so expensive to, to live in Vancouver and I just couldn't sustain um, paying all of that to live. So I thought, okay, fine, let's do this. And I, I actually gave all my possessions away, everything I owned except for two mm. suitcases and I, I went down there and I was like, look, I don't even know what I'm going to do here, but I'm just going to trust that I'm divinely supported. The universe and God has my back and it's just going to sort itself out. And lo and behold, like within a month, I found an acting coach that was starting an acting school in Serbia that was English, that is from um, New York and oh. actually was rated one of the top 10 acting coaches in the region, in that area. And from there, I met people through the acting school, and then he was started to coach me, and he would I would send some audition tapes back to Canada, not thinking anything really, because I'm like, well, they're gonna have to bring me back, I'm gonna have to quarantine, like you don't typically get that kind of window for, no. for shooting, right? Like you don't you don't know a month in advance that you're gonna start something. It's usually a couple weeks, so I wasn't really auditioning, but right. I ended up booking a bunch of stuff, came back to Canada filmed a bunch of things. And then the funny thing was, I was like, man, I got back to Canada and I was feeling like I was home, you know, like, ah, oh, I was back in the groove. And as much as I liked Serbia, it just never really felt like home to me. Mm -hmm. And here I am in Canada, like, man, I want to go back to Serbia, but I really want it to be beneficial. Like not just to go hang out with my boyfriend, but you know, for, for me to make moves in my own career, if I go. And so I said this out loud for the universe, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, not, not knowing what was going to happen. And then two days later, I get a call from a casting agency in Serbia looking to cast a big Hollywood movie, um, you know, produced by legendary pictures. They're filming it over there and they need English speakers. Uh, so I was like, yes, I will audition for that. <laughs> and then I, I ended know. up getting the role and they wanted me. Yes. And that was for the machine with uh, Burt Kreischer. Wow. Which was so a see, fantastic everyone, movie it, to make. Like you said, you just you just say yes to life, right? You just go and you, you're you open to opportunities. I think you're fearless in that way. I mean, it's hard. You know, people get – the older we get – this is the old guy talking now. You know, the older we get, sometimes the more afraid we are to take chances and to do that. I often say, God, if I could be my 23-year-old self who would just like – do everything. And, you know, I have to constantly make sure I push myself. So I'm so impressed with that. You know what, Mercedes? Yeah, I really didn't know what to expect. <laughs> but, you know, well, I, it's exactly what you're saying, saying yes. Yes, saying yes to life. Well, yeah, you are totally perky and wonderful. You're a wonderful life. But I have to laugh with you because this is how I am. When you were in Serbia and you came, you were booking things in Canada and had to come back to Canada, all I was thinking is like, oh, great. I got rid of everything. All I have are these damn two suitcases. <laughs> I wish I still had that bowl and silverware so I could eat some cereal or something. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I, it kind of crossed my mind um, that, you know, I didn't have a home base anymore, but I have like the bestest friends on the planet and they just put me up and let me stay with them and feed me and like, they're incredible. So I, I come back and I still kind of feel like I'm at home. Right? I still have great people around me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about like your journey starting out. I mean, what's, what's acting something you were always interested in? Did it come to you, you know, after you were an adult or how, how did this happen? I'll start for you. I know you said you were modeling first, right? Well, actually I, I've been on stage since I was three. I oh, wow. was a little dancer. Yeah. I was a little, I was a little ballet dancer uh, with this, uh, with this dancing school called Lecky School of Dance. And they're actually like, I think one of the longest standing ballet schools in uh, Canada. And wow. they've, it's like three generations of, 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 of dance teachers from that family. And, they're, and they were fantastic. But regardless of that, I just like, I was on stage at a really young age and I loved it. I was like, I was that kid who was like the loudest. <laughs> right. the loudest biggest <laughs> smile you know like everyone's looking at like that was me and my mom said it was pretty funny like I, there was this one dance we did called be my little baby bumblebee and we had a little bumblebee attached to our wrist like as if it was a bracelet and so we're doing this dance and I'm 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 three right and the oh bumblebee God. falls off well I I didn't want to like you know break character and so what she said that I did was we continued with the dance and a few moves after this happened, I knew in my mind that I was going to have to jump down onto the ground and do kind of like a burpee. Like that's just like what the move was. <laughs> right. um, and so I waited apparently until that move when I had to go down on, on all fours and split it back on, like as if it didn't even happen, jump back up like, <laughs> seamless. And I, I love was, like, What the heck? who is this girl? Right. But I, wow. I was like, I didn't want to break character. I knew I was performing and I just, I absolutely loved it. And I, I kept dancing for like all of my youth really. Um, and with, with dance, we, you know, I did jazz and ballet and song and dance, which is musical theater. And then from that musical theater, I went on to theater and I just loved, i just loved performing. Like actually I, I did so much dance. Like I had like up to nine dance classes a week. And, you know, it was my life. But the whole time, I really actually wanted to act. But mm-hmm. I think I thought that my mom really liked me being a good little dancer. And so I right. just kept doing that, you know, like, unfortunately, right. and I can't say unfortunately, because, it, hey, I am here now. But I think I would have acted a lot sooner had I maybe had that conversation with my mom. <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. But the fact is, you were performing and it's amazing because dancers, you get that discipline and that training that you get as a dancer, which really to me, you're, you're athletes, you know? So I think a lot of oh, the actors yeah. I know who were dancers that really helps them in terms of just the way they even approach acting, you know, the physicality and stuff. And uh, that's amazing. Absolutely. Well, you have and certainly confidence and stage confidence. Presence. Yes. Well, you certainly mm-hmm. dove right in and you've been so successful, you know, and you just go from one project to another. Now you mentioned shadowing. So apparently directing is obviously something you really had want to do, right? Yeah. I've been wanting to do it for a while. I, you know, I, I, 
I've been, I, I did, I was the director's assistant actually mm-hmm. on a TV show called The Detour. Have you ever seen that? I, it's I, a, I know about, it's, it's I remember it. It's a comedy. Yes. I did not. I, I totally yeah. remember it though. Yeah. Yeah. Jason yeah. Jones, who uh, was also the daily show. He, he's an amazing guy. He was the showrunner, uh, star of the show, writer. He produced, directed some of the episodes. Oh my God. Like that guy was a machine. Was it Comedy Central? Um, him, was it Comedy Central? No. Mm. No, I, I like okay. like what I it was forgot. playing on. Yeah, I forgot. Mm, yeah, but... I, I don't, I don't remember either. This was a handful of years ago now, but um, him and Brennan. Uh, Shroff, they, they, they were doing it together and uh, they came to Vancouver and they needed an assistant. And a friend of mine had been working with the production company and just called me. And at the time I wasn't really working, like I hadn't been doing much acting and I did need the money. And um, I, I ended up taking four months off of acting to be the, on the mm. show. And I thought, oh, well, this will be such a great experience. Uh, I'll learn so much. And I totally did, but really I was just running around doing things for them that I didn't really get to see what directing was all about. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I right. was just busy doing my job, trying to, trying to do a really good job of what I was doing that right. I didn't really get to absorb as much as I think I would have liked. So this opportunity came about and uh, yeah, I just jumped right on it. And it, it's interesting. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know that this would be coming right now. I, I, just came back from Serbia not even a month ago now for a role that I didn't even know I had to tell you the truth. I was pinned. I heard you talking about, about that. Right. I, I was, I was pinned on the show, on the show, and, but I didn't know if I had it. And I was just, you know what? I'm going to act as if, right. As if I have it, I mm-hmm. booked a flight. I, um, I wanted to come visit friends anyway. So I just decided to come out and, <laughs> And so I did without a return ticket. Here I am in Canada. I'm like, I don't know what I'm here to do. I don't know if I have this role, but whatever. Uh, I get off the plane and I'm, I'm driving to my buddy's house who, like I said, I have the bestest friends in the world. His name is, well, I call him best friend Dave, uh, David Munster. <laughs> and he puts me up. And so he, he picked me up and brought me to his house. And as we were pulling up, I got, I got the offer. And it was something oh, that wow. I hadn't even auditioned for, like you were talking about prior to, because I knew uh, someone in the, in the in production mm-hmm. um, who was, was the head of the production company at the time. And so anyway, I ended up getting the offer and it was great because I was already here and I got to hang out with my friends. And, and then when I came to Kelowna, so Kelowna is just outside of Vancouver. It's four hours out. Um, okay. and, and that's where, that's where they were filming this. So I came out here and I met the other head of production and we hit it off. He was a really nice guy and he was like, oh, well, you know, we are doing another movie up here coming up soon. And we didn't really talk much about it, but I, I heard that he was doing it. And then day later, I got an audition for it. And so I'm on the last day of filming that particular movie. It was called Sweet as Pie. Um, and it's, uh, the lead is it's starring Rhiannon Fish, who was an amazing uh, girl to work with. I play her best friend on it. Anyway, our last day, I, I get the audition, and I kind of looked at everybody, and I was like, I think I'm coming back for this movie. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I feel it. I think I'm going to get this role. And lo and behold, I end up getting that role. I had left Kelowna, came back six days later to start shooting this one, 
and saw the head of production again. And we were all out for dinner and he was like, it's so nice to have you back here. Um, how would it feel about maybe staying along and, you know, maybe shadowing? And I was like, yes, yes. Like, yes, yes. It was just one thing after another. Like I just meet these people and, you know, this person helps me and I meet somebody else who introduces me to somebody else and this person helps me. And it's just been like incredible like that. And this this director, uh, she's a newer director named Jessica Harmon, uh, who's been an actor and her, both her whole family uh, is big into um, the industry. Her dad is a director. Her mother is a producer and um, their whole family, like her brother is also an actor as well. Um, They're just such a wealth of knowledge and all she wants to do is teach. Like she is, she's so generous. She is constantly explaining everything that she's doing. And she's like, look, if I don't have the time, just write it down. We'll talk about it later. But she just, yeah, has been so generous. I have my notepad and I'm <laughs> writing things down and following her around. And yeah, I couldn't be it's happier. A, <laughs> I, no, that's that's so amazing. Great. Yeah. By the way, that's so great. To, remind, to remind you, Mercedes and Jasper, the detour was on TBS. TBS. And they ah, had the. Yes, thank you. And Samantha B was one of the producers, the wonderful Correct. Samantha B, who now has her own Comedy Central show. Um, that's, that's probably great. the first and time. She's I... married to Jason Jones. Right. That's right. I knew when you were saying Jason, I was like, wait a minute. I know that. So I had to look it up because it's driving me crazy. Um, yes, I, I love that. Um, tell us about You've had some really good, because like you, Ralph and I do guest spots and, you know, guest starring on certain shows and that's always an interesting thing when you come on to a show um you've had some really great ones how was it working on Bates uh Motel oh Bates Motel was awesome I I really enjoyed it uh TJ Scott was the director of that episode and I'd never met him before that day um that I first met him on set and he he was fantastic obviously um um Freddie was amazing very right. interesting guy, like <laughs> just totally like his character, like just yeah, like he he's not putting it on at all. Um, he's just a very unique individual. But I ended up becoming really good friends with T.J. Scott. He also did a book, uh, a coffee table book called In the Tub, and he had photographed a bunch of actors sitting in bathtubs, and it the the water itself is like a little bit hazy because he puts mm-hmm. milk in it. And so he's got all these, like, beautiful celebrities naked in these bathtubs. Um, I didn't end up shooting that. He was doing another coffee table book called Lazy Sundays, which we ended up taking some pictures for later on down the road. But he was was fantastic. You know, every time I work on set, I always make such great friends Mm -hmm. with somebody, and they end up being, you know, so dear to my heart. So those are great experiences. I know, well, I Ralph and I, let... we talk about that, too. Like, there's always – but then sometimes it's like, you know, summer camp where you have this great experience with people and everyone exchanges numbers and they're all going to stay in touch and somehow we don't always make it happen. But like you said, there will be that one, right. one, one connection. Go ahead, Ralph. Sorry. No, I just wanted to laugh with you, Mercedes, when you were saying, oh, God, yeah, I heard you guys talking about having a pin in you. And I was like, oh, good, you still came on the show after listening to us at the beginning. Thank you, Mercedes. (laughs) I didn't know what to expect. And then I was hearing you guys go back and forth there. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Listen, did you I wanted... get to work with Nestor Carbonell at all, Mercedes on Bates Motel? Nestor. Nestor Carbonell. I don't think so. Oh, okay, I was just curious because no. <clears throat> because now I've been binge watching the morning show, and he is a regular on there, and I see that he was also in Bates Motel, so I was just curious. Oh yeah, no, no, that's great. Actually, I I'm gonna see soon. Actually, I'm going back to Serbia the beginning of November for a TV series that I'm gonna be on there, which will be interesting. Um, I I don't know what to expect. I mean, I have filmed some stuff in Serbia now, but really in the on in, this show is a is a Serbian TV series, so everybody speaks Serbian except for my character. <laughs> so, so you're like so you're like the to, the token English speaking character. Yeah, well, how, yeah. how it's played is it's a it's a family show or it's about a family, and it's it's a it's it's dry humor, kind of like The Office, except mm-hmm. it's about okay. a family. Yeah. And the the dad is an actor, and he's not the greatest actor. He's trying his best, but you know <laughs> it, he's he's one of those like guys like every guy's guy like you, mm-hmm. you like the guy but he's such an idiot right? right like you you love him but you want to strangle him he's like that and he has booked this netflix show in 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 the show and the, the, well the funny thing about that is in serbia they don't really have netflix so here he is trying to like you know be this cool dude he finally has this show but when he comes back home like no one's seen it and they still think he's a nobody <laughs> oh so anyway, my god he ends up yeah, it's pretty cute. He ends up um, going back to Serbia because his father's passed, and there's some trials and tribulations there. And he's supposed to be on this on on this production that's filming in Russia, and he's just not keeping his end of the bargain. And so I'm the producer from Netflix from Los Angeles, so I oh. have to get in there and and try to get him to follow his contract and get him back on the show and blah blah blah. And so. It, we actually have these scenes in the end where, like, there's an, actually a translator there. I'm yelling at him. He's yelling at me. The guy's trying to translate in between. It's Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, love the, I love the premise. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's called Mum and Dad are Playing War, uh, but it's not called that. It's in Serbian. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were to translate it, that's what it would be called. Um, and actually, they made a movie first, and the movie did really well. The The lead of the movie is also the director, and at the time that he was directing the movie, they were also filming the first season of uh, Mom and Dad Are Playing War Season 1. And he actually won Best Director for the movie, and it was like his, his debut of directing, um, and it was so much more work for him, right? Like he wasn't just directing the movie, but he was also directing that first season at the same time. So you have so many things in your mind going on. Like, how are we going to shoot this? How are we going to make it work for the movie and also for the TV show? It's, you know, it's a completely different beast. Um, right. And the guy ends up winning and he's the lead. And he was the <laughs> one who cast me in it. And it was the same thing. It was through an offer. I was actually, oh. this is a crazy story. I was helping cast. This goes back to another question you had where there's things um, happening a lot in Serbia right now. They had Knives Out 2 uh, was mm-hmm. just being filmed there. And they, they did two, week, two months in Greece, and then they did another six weeks in Serbia. 
and they were casting and I ended up meeting the casting director. That's a whole other story. In Serbia, they don't really have agents. So you have to get in good with casting so that mm-hmm. they know you and that they bring you in for things. So I ended up meeting this casting director who is an amazing, lovely man. Um, and he's asking me if I know any other people who are English, like native English speakers and they needed these children. So I like put this Facebook group together. Uh, there's an expats group. I, I, I put a message on there looking for kids to, to help cast knives out too. I ended up bringing these kids in, auditioning them. Now I'm, now I'm casting with this casting director. It's hilarious. I'm doing the reading. I'm, I'm, I'm recording it. I'm directing the children. Then there was these other roles that, that came in that they needed. And I started helping with that too. And one day the guy was late and I had to do the casting by myself. And this, this actor comes in and lo and behold, he is the director and star of mom and dad are playing war. <laughs> so I oh, wow. an offer for this TV series just from him meeting me and having, and me actually direct his audition. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> wow. Talk it's about full crazy. circle. Like you can't make this shit up. I know. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. That is so great. Oh, Mercedes, I love that. Well, let me ask you, is the, are, are the self-taping, are, are you doing a lot of self-tapes like we all are? Or do they, are the, do you actually meet in person for casting or um, over there? Or is it, because, you know, even before the pandemic, I would say like the year before in, in, in Hollywood, we had already started doing a lot of self-tapes and not, not going into the room. And now no one goes in the room at all here. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's primarily self-tape. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I I like it that way. You know, like it gives you an opportunity to do as many, excuse me, as many takes as you want, which is Uh so, so wonderful. So valuable. Uh, Well, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's good and it's bad because then also you can just be like beating the shit out of your audition, you know, (laughs) like, I've done way too many. This is ridiculous. And then you look at your tapes and you're like, yeah, that first one was probably the best, you know, so it is a bit silly. Um, but I, I do find over there, I'm not going into the casting office. I mean, I am, uh, when I met with that one casting director who I ended up helping doing the casting with, he was like, if you want, you can, you can just tape it and send it in. Uh, but you can come down here and do it. Now I wanted to do it that way because I wanted to meet him and I wanted, um, to get like the gist of what they were doing. Now, this is a crazy thing there too. I, we're so anal about our self tapes here. Like it, it mm-hmm. even just says, I don't know if it's the same way where you are, but um, in the breakdown, it's like, okay, we want a gray sheet behind you. Uh-huh. We want it uh-huh. ironed. We want like it. You know, <laughs> oh my God. I haven't, kind I haven't of, seen the iron one yet, but yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Oh, it's crazy. We want this kind of lighting. Yeah. You have to iron the sheet. Like it's just, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's gone way over the top. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is so important. We got to make this perfect, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I get to Serbia and I, I met this casting director and he didn't have his, his own casting office. He just was using the production office. And so we went in there and it was, there was no wall. There was no colored wall. There was no tripod with a video camera. Um, he was just holding it. He was holding a, a handheld video camera in his hand and was like, okay, over there, 
there was like a little bit of a wall and then there was a door and then there was a photocopying machine right there. And there's literally a photocopying machine <laughs> in your audition tape on this handheld thing. And it just hit me like, oh my God, here we are freaking out about an iron sheet. <laughs> and look at how they're filmed. This is for Knives Out 2 production. Oh, my God. Or like, watching, you know what I mean? Like, and, and everything is just blown out the window. And I, it was such a great realization for me that, like, in the end, nobody cares. They just want to see your acting. Exactly. You said, <laughs> right. that, earlier. You said that earlier in the interview, Mercedes, it's like about being union versus non-union. They don't care. If you're the right person yeah. and they like what you're doing, they don't care if there's a photocopy machine there. You know, we've yeah. always joked about that here in America. My friends and I used to be like, oh, listen, let's not call Mercedes De La Cruz in because she used a Helvet- Helvetica font. And, you know, she should have used the sans serif font, you know, on her resume, you know, so. Well, Ralph and I laugh, we laugh a a couple of seasons back, I auditioned for The Rookie, and I shot it in my kitchen, and you can see, like, the kitchen cabinets in the back and all this stuff, and we were laughing because I booked it, I booked it off that tape, and then, Going forward from that point on, anytime Ralph and I would hear a casting director talk about, you know, we want to, we want this color, we want that, Ralph would just say, how about Jasper's kitchen cabinets in the background, you know, and it's one of those <laughs> things where when I got to the set, the director said to me, he goes, oh yeah, the moment I pushed play, I, I knew you were the character. It wasn't oh, like, right. you know, it wasn't like I was distracted by your white cabinets or, or something like that. So it's, you're right. I mean, here it's turned into almost a separate industry, you know, of how to make yourself taste yeah. perfect. Yeah. Mercedes, which is kind of like, ev- like everything in life, Mercedes and Jasper, it is case by case. Jasper yeah. booked a movie called The Fall. Before, uh, <clears throat> it was actually during the pandemic. And he shot it outside. And he booked the movie. And a- other actors saw the reel and were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you shot it outside. And Jasper was like, "This okay, is an audition. This is an audition." The, the, yeah, the cast, I tell you, the because it, was like, but, Jasper, I'm still talking. The oh breakdown, my God. yeah, the breakdown. You got to jump in when you can, Mercedes. <laughs> the breakdown said he's walking a dog outside. Well, Jasper has a dog, and he has an outside, and he shot it like that <laughs> and booked it. Whereas then you'll see, to your point, Mercedes, in the casting, do not film outside. Iron the sheet. Make sure you use static starch. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, uh, here's my take on that. I think with the, and I talked to Scott, the director, when it's a film, I find that a lot of the film directors, they appreciate a little more effort in the tapes where they might look a little more like you're really shooting the movie. Um, Episodics here, you know, they're very clear about frame it, you know, halfway up and top of your head. But I find with um, with films, I think you can take a little bit more liberty. Uh, you know, I also filmed it not outside. I did one take, so just in case the caster wrote back and said, uh, we can't use this. You know, I, I did it inside mm. as well just to have, to have an option. But the only thing I think we miss out not being in the room is we miss the adjustments from the casting person. You know, because they right. they kind of know what they think the producers are looking for. Um, and so, but listen, guys, I can't believe the time is just 
flying oh, is it by. Time to, so, oh no! I know we 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 are all we're less than a minute. So Mercedes, I wanted to thank you again, and I just continue success and safe travels with all your back and forth and. You've just been a, a ray of sunshine for the show today. Oh, my God. Everyone... Mercedes, you're so much fun. I wanted Aww. to talk to you more because you have you, you have the pulse on so many things, you know, and it's like because I wanted to ask you what's a typical Serbian breakfast, you know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so into your dual life now. Yeah, that's all Rob cares about is what kind of food you you guys are eating. So that's very important. Oh, but, oh my God. But, They're killing me on set right now with all the food. Too oh good. My God. They can't say no, and they keep coming by with candy. It's brutal. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, listen, well, we'll much continued success. Again, guys. Yes, yes Mercedes, you're welcome back here so much. anytime. And have have a great rest of your night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Oh, she's fantastic, Ralph. Oh, she is so much fun. I wanted to tell her, have fun going back to shadow your director, you know, Jessica Harmon. Because, yeah, I mean. What a lot of flying back and forth and all all over the world. Yeah, I mean, she's really carved out a good niche for herself. She has such a fantastic attitude. And I love that she's doing all this work. And it's like, I'm non-union, honey, so you all can, like, strike all you want, girl, because I'm still going to work, okay? (laughs) Well, yeah, and there's an example, too, where, I'm, you know, SAG has enforced her to become a must-join. So apparently what I learned was from another producer recently, when you become – when you're eligible – after 30 days, that that goes back, that can go away, so you're not forced to to join. Oh, so, it starts over again. Uh-huh. Yeah, so she's been very uh, strategic, and I, I love that. But listen, continuing on, guys, this is a special, you know, longer version tonight because um, last week uh, our live show we did not get to bring on our our next guest because the entire studio boards lights. Recording, everything went down. I blame everything on Mercury and retrograde. And by the way, Ralph, right just now as we were talking, I hear this popping above my head. And like like in a studio when the light falls and hits someone in the head, mm-hmm. in my office here, we have these recessed lighting. All of a sudden, the entire bulb is hanging from the ceiling, like hanging by one cord. But- like dangling, Hanging. it fell out of the recession. It fell out. Of fell the- out of the recession. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, what is that?" So anyway, but listen, I want to get to our next guest. Um, as we were promoting last week, he is an author. He's got a new book out, uh, "Dark Times: Saga: The Black Forest," and we want to welcome at this time, Mr. R. A. Rebus. Hi, R. A. How are you? Hey, buddy. How are you? How you doing? Can you guys hear me? Yes, yes we can you hear sound you. Sound great. Oh, with your dog. dog in the background. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a little mouthy. Okay, no, <laughs> no, that's not, and as we are too. So, so welcome. So to is our... so is Ralph. I was gonna say. So you're in the right place. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm gonna um, call you Ralph, and I'm Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to our show, Ra. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, so, sorry about I was last week. I on, on the other day. 
I know. I, it's the strangest thing. Like, I think in maybe in the last couple of years, it's happened twice where the whole system went down and uh, there was, it was just frozen. And I was like, what do we do? So, but listen, thank you. Congratulate, congratulations on your book and all the good reviews you're getting. I loved your um, great article in the digital journal. Marcos is a, a great friend and a wonderful supporter of us as well. And that was a great, a great article he did with you. Great interview. Oh yes, yeah, I I, uh, I loved it. He asked a lot of um, a lot of questions that people you know haven't really asked. Um, it was funny. He asked me, uh, you know, what do you have for um, you know up and coming writers? And I'm like, um, <laughs> I don't know. Do they have any advice for me? You know, yeah, it's just kind of you know it's been kind of like a, a sucker punch. It came out of nowhere. You know, I was I was a nobody you know, three months ago, and now all of a sudden I have, you know, PR, a manager, you know. I'm still looking for an agent. I could use an agent, a literary agent. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just been like a whirlwind. So, yeah, that was I, I enjoyed, doing, uh, enjoyed doing that article. Well, well you know, speaking no. – oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you, you say you're a nobody. You're, you're, of course, you're – not a nobody, but this was your first book. But tell us, I mean, you've had, you've been a, a fan of this genre forever, right? I mean, this is your, oh, this yeah. is your wheelhouse, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is, my, you know, it was funny today, I was thinking of a story where, um, I, I, you know, I have multiple projects going, but I was, when I was, I was writing, I was thinking about myself back in uh, middle school as a freshman, and um, we had to write a skit, um, you know, that, that went over all of the problems of, you know, being a, a kid at our age right. and for English class. And, and I wrote a fantasy talk show um, wow. where they were playing different things and all. And, and I was just, yeah, so, I mean, I, thinking back and I was sitting there, I was like, wow, you know, I've been doing this for a lot longer than I thought I have been. Um, you know, and I've submitted a lot of, uh, you know, fan, uh, fan fiction to different uh, shows and video games and, you know, um, I haven't entered any contests because I was, you know, y- you hate that, that rejection holds you down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've, been, I've been a little bit, you know, gun shy about that. But, um, uh, yeah, getting published and when I saw my hardcover, I was just, uh, I was speechless, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Go ahead, Ralph. Uh, I was just going to say when you said that now you have a, a PR and a manager, I just wanted to give a shout out to the wonderful Lisa Rodrigo, who books, books our, these, our wonderful clients, and how lucky you are to have someone like her to support you. Oh, yeah, she's, she's been phenomenal. I gave her a shout out yesterday, too, because I had another, another uh, interview yesterday. <laughs> And right before it was my time to go on, I lost all power to my house. Ooh. And I had to jump on my phone. And I was, yeah, and I was texting Lisa. I was like, oh, God, Lisa, tell them I'm coming. You know, tell them I'm getting on. And I'm getting on my cell phone. And Lisa was like, I am, I am. She says, I, I, she's texting me back. I am. I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm getting a hold of them, you know. And, yeah, thank, thank God I, I got on. You know, I got on my cell phone and everything worked out. So. I got you. But must you must have know. been thinking, R.A., you must have been going, okay, 
last week for one-on-one on Jasper, the board <laughs> went down. Now um, <laughs> my power has gone out. Maybe I should stop writing quite such precise fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, that, it was something I was like, really, are you, are you trying to tell me something? Is someone trying to tell me something? But I said, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking that for an answer. I said, I'm, I'm pushing through it. And uh, yeah, it didn't work out well. Well, let me ask you, what, what was it this time around? Like, what made you, like, pull the trigger and write this book and go on this journey? You said you had been doing stuff in the past, but what, what was different? Is, did the pandemic have anything to do with this? It, it, yeah, it actually, the pandemic had quite a bit to do with it. Um, uh, so uh, usually what I would do is I would write fantasy fiction for myself, my friends, you know, I'm, I'm a big dork, you know, I'm a big D&D player, Pathfinder mm-hmm. player, I love those games, Star Wars, D20, I'm a big nerd, and uh, I used to write, you know, games for them, and then during the pandemic, um, it's really difficult because, you know, I suffer from anxiety and, and depression and stuff as it is, I was a caretaker for my grandparents, and my grandfather was uh, in a care home during the time because he had come down with dementia, and he was passing away. Uh, mm-hmm. He had an aneurysm on a, a major artery in his stomach, and it was just there was just so much weighing down on me. I mean, really, it was it was insane. If it wasn't for my faith and my family, I would have, like I said, I would have chattered. Um, mm. I, I don't know if I would have made it through this. Um, I would be in a padded room somewhere, running into walls. Uh, right. But you know, yeah, it's been horrible for a lot of people, and luckily, I was looking for a way to. Um, kind of like digest everything and, and kind of have like an out-of-body experience, I guess you could say, to try and hide from what was happening. And mm-hmm. I started writing. And next thing I know, um, the outside world didn't exist anymore. And it was just, I was in this place, you know, walking by these characters, seeing them, how they're acting, how they're talking. And um, the book almost wrote itself. Uh, I wrote wow. the book. I've had the story. I've had the story in mind for probably 10 years. Um, and then it's gone through various changes and everything, characters and all. But then, um, so, you know, when I started writing, I wrote it in less than a month. Wow. Mm, that's amazing. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, was just, it just came and just poured out of me. And um, when, I was, when I was done writing it, of course, I went through, you know, the tedious process of self-editing and saying, oh, I don't like this, I don't want that, I don't want this, I changed this, and... Um, there was actually some major changes in the book. Um, relationships were altered heavily and everything in there. Um, so it went through, it was, you know, it was a little bit more than a month to get it done and ironed out. But, yeah, it definitely, the, the pandemic COVID was, was a huge thing for it. Because um, I, I basically, I was also trying to get work at the time. And being a caretaker, right. you're at home all day. Right. And they're like, well, you know, you have, you have tech. You know, I, I do have um, certifications for IT, A plus certification, Network Plus, uh, all that stuff. But they were like, you know, we're we're looking for someone who's been in it for a while. You know, you've been out of the in, out of the industry for ten years. You know, mm-hmm. so I can, you know, I wasn't finding any work like that. So I said, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a leap of faith. I'm gonna write this book and see if anyone will is interested. Mm-hmm. And luckily, um, Brighton Publishing was interested. They, they, you know, uh, they they asked me if I had a full uh, full manuscript done, and 
uh, I sent it out to them, and they they liked it, and we went from there. And now, you wow. know, I just uh, yeah, I'm finishing it. It's been out, I think, for well, it it actually I launched it on my grandfather's birthday, July 14th. It was released on July 14th, my grandfather's birthday. And R. A. Revis is actually his name. Mm. Oh wow! So I go by his name as my pen name. It was oh, Robert Andrew so, Revis. That's nice great. Idea. Yeah. 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 So I go by I go by. So basically, I said my entire writing career is dedicated to my faith and my family, and, and above all, my grandfather. He used to tell me that you know, you're so full of crap, you should write it down. So, uh, yeah. So I, I said, you know what, Pop? I said, finally, I said, I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to go for it. And so far, it's looking good. Um, you know, I've, uh, I'm getting out there slowly but surely. You know, uh, that's great. And I just need to take you know one step at a time. And yeah. didn't I read RA that in the future, all the books that you will publish in the future you want to launch on your grandfather's birthday, July 14th. Yes, I do. Um, Cause it's all going to be, they're all going to be dedicated to him. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really funny because a lot of people are like, Oh, that's really weird. That's like, it, it was like a Wednesday or something this year. I think it was. And they were like, you know, Barnes, people at Barnes and was like, you're launching your book on the four, you know, this, I walk in and I don't let them know who I am. I ask them, I'm like, do you guys have carried this book? You know? And they're like, well, we can order an entry and everything. They're like, well, this is weird. And then they said, well, this is weird this author released it on a Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, is that, is that out of the norm? And they're like, yeah, usually, you know, like, a, I forget, I think it was like a Friday or a Tuesday or something like that they usually do it. And I said, I said, huh. But, yeah, I, that date is very specific because it's my grandfather's birthday, and that's why I wanted to celebrate his birthday every year by releasing a, a book. And then I have a little book release party that's kind of like his birthday party slash my book release party. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think it's the, wonderful the way you honor your grandfather. I'd like to ask you a personal question, please. When mm-hmm. I was doing a different reading on my research about you, and I was very moved by how faith and family saved you during the pandemic, and I wanted to ask what other members of your family gave you so much support besides your grandparents? Oh, my mother. My, my, my mother was huge. Uh, she still is. Um, I, I've said it numerous times before. If it wasn't for my mother, I'd be homeless, mm-hmm. um, you know, very easily. Uh, and is it her, is R.A. Uh, her I, father? Yes. R.A. is her father. Mm-hmm. So, and then my grandmother, who, who, you know, basically beat faith into me, jokingly, she, uh, <laughs> you know, she was a very faithful woman, incredibly strong woman. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's people who go, oh, man, you know, you have blah, 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 blah. This person is so horrible. I mean, and I'm like, I'm like, you think they're bad. You haven't met a tough person yet. You know, right. you met my grandmother. I said, she... She went through everything. Uh, she had bladder cancer. She had fibromyalgia. She had COPD. Uh, she had she had everything, and she was still pushing forward. Wow, and um, she was, but she always had faith. She right. always had faith in God. And um, that's one of the biggest things that I took away from that was, you know, uh, she she always had faith that God was going to be there for her. And it's really it's funny, you know. A lot of people say, oh. Well, 
you might be crazy, and I don't. Maybe I am. I don't think I am. But you know, I was praying, um, like hands and knees. I was, I was praying. I was like, you know what, Lord, just please let something come through for me. I don't need to be a millionaire, you know. Right. Um, I don't want less, but I, I don't need more than mm. what I have. You mm-hmm. know? Right. And um, sure enough, I, I said, you know what, I can't wait anymore. And I called up um, uh, Brighton Publishing and I said, did you guys go through my manuscript yet? What do you think about it? And he was like, yeah, we like it. We're going to, you know, we're going to give you, a, a, you know, a, an agreement and everything. And we're going to go forward with it. And then you're going to start, you know, and then it was just like a whirlwind from there. You know, they were like, yeah, you have to do your cover art. You have to do this. You have to do, you know, and I was just like, wow. I was, yeah. So I, I, I think that my prayers are answered. And it feels, uh, again, I'll say it again. When I was writing, I, I didn't feel almost like I was writing anything, that it was writing itself. So. Hmm. My other question, <clears throat> this is a trivial question, but it's, <clears throat> it's always intriguing to me. Do you use a computer when you write, or do you write it uh, freehand? Um, both. Um, so I have, I have a little book next to me. I carry pad and paper with me everywhere. Everywhere in the house there's pads and paper, uh, little pads with, with a pen near it. Uh, and that's because if – it's, it's horrible because sometimes I'm, like, tired and I want to go to bed and it's 10 o'clock and, you know, I'm winding down and then all of a sudden I just get a burst of ideas mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm like, oh. so, I, you know, I wake up, I roll up the coffee, have to get out of bed, start writing everything down. Um, the main book was written in Scrivener, which is a computer program. Uh, I love that program. Uh and then from there, it's transferred to a Word document where it goes through its finalization. And that's how I send it to all of my, um, you know, my publicist and, and my, uh, my printer and, you know, stuff like that. I see. Uh, and, and then, of course, my editors and all. What's it called? Scrivener? Scrivener. So it's a C. Let me see here. I'll pull it up real quick on my computer. So I can sit in front of it. Um, yeah, it's C S. C I V E. It's really weird. Hang on a second. Taking forever to load up, of course. I don't know what's not, my computer is is crazy space is. Well, of course it is. I think it's, you touch it's goes out or something. You know, you know, you touch something yeah. and the power goes out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I said I say, hey, I'm I'm next, and then everything goes down. Uh, so yes, it's S C R I V E N E R. Okay, I'm and just curious, yeah, because I write also, yeah, so yeah. I was just wondering what that was like. Thank you for answering. I love it. You can use it for plays. Yeah, you can use it for plays. You can use it for sh- – I have several short, short stories written with it. Um, I have all of my um, my next novels are all being written in it. My next novel is thirty to 40,000 words in already, and I use it for that. Um, yeah, it's – it's a phenomenal program, and then you can go ahead and you can get plugins to check spelling, grammar, and everything like that. And then you can export all of your projects into different formats should you need to. So, oh, you mean like a play yeah, it, it format? Yeah, it works great. And is it on Mac? Well, you can or... start it in a play format. Oh, okay. And do you use a Mac? Yeah. Oh, P- okay. I use a PC. I'm I'm a big gamer, so I use I have a PC, you know, gaming computer and everything, but um, they do have it for Mac, um, 
I believe they have it for Mac. It's, it's on certain, it's on multiple, I believe, platforms. I think it might even be on Android. Okay, thank you. Well, no, I'm, let me I write ask you, R.A., how did you, um, how did you end up picking Brighton? Had you had, did you know about Brighton before? We had another, um, another wonderful writer on Roger Howard. He was also with Brighton. Yeah, what happened is, is um, right now, the I guess the literary world is going through huge changes. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, I guess, find how to adapt to all these new independent writers. Um, right. Because now people are, are going past the big five. They're just mm-hmm. going around them and, and not going with, you know, the big five anymore. And I did, I submitted to them, but, you know, I'll be honest, I submitted 30 query letters out there mm-hmm. and I got and, and most of those were query letters for agents now, mind you. I didn't right. I didn't query to actual book companies or anything. Um and I got an answer back to about three of them. Okay. Um and then I said, you know what, I was getting I was getting a little frustrated because all either they, they didn't they didn't want the book they read the first three pages and said, we don't want it, which I always thought was really funny is because they tell you don't judge a book by its cover, yet <laughs> that is exactly what the industry has been doing. Right, exactly. They, yep. Yeah, they say give me the first four pages of your book and I'll judge it on that. And, and quite frankly, that is in the, you know, in the screenplay world they say ten pages at least. But even that, you think, mm-hmm. God, how can, I, how can I really make something pop in three pages? You know, it's almost impossible. Well, that's why, well, that's why I made, my, you know, my every, I learned this actually from uh, the writer of Goosebumps. Oh, Lord, Carl Stein. I cannot believe his name. Forgot. I, I read all of his books when, when I was in, uh, uh, you know, uh, elementary school and, and junior high. Um, he had a phenomenal gift of starting, of ending every chapter with a cliffhanger mm. and starting every chapter with a shocking moment. Right. You know, so, and then uh, Jerry B. Jenkins, I was watching a lot of his, his uh, things online and he said, always start with your best stuff. You know, mm-hmm. always start with your best foot forward. So I said, all right. I said, I'll, I said, it doesn't matter what I give them because, um, you know, I think it's going to be, I, I put my heart and soul in every single chapter of this book. And, um, but yeah, there was, there was things that they just wanted to change. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do, um, uh, they, there was kind of, um, you know, alterations they wanted to do that. I, I just like, I, I didn't see it. Uh, one of them was actually, uh, one, one agent wanted me to remove the faith part. Oh, the faith. Um, yeah, the, the, they wanted me to lean a little bit more away from the. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a I'm a super religious person, but I'm very devout mm-hmm. with, with God and, and Jesus and everything. And uh, they kind of wanted me to lean away from that a little bit more. Not and I said, I said, you know, I didn't. I don't think that it's preachy at all. Right. Uh, right. In there or anything. And they kind of wanted me to lean away. And I said, no. I said, you know what? I said I can't do that. I said, I just, I can't do that. And she was like, all right, well, you know, good luck with your, with your career, you know, and that was that. <laughs> and, 
But then all of a sudden I saw Antonio Sabato Jr. Um, I was just scrolling through Twitter, you know, the, the land the landmine field that that is. Oh my and, God. Uh, you know, I was just looking through it. And I was, I, and I, yeah, I, I don't really interact on there. I was just going through seeing, you know, because he said he's starting his own movie studio. Um, uh-huh. um, Conflict Studio. Conflict right. Studio. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, well, maybe, I said, maybe his, maybe his agents will be interested in representing me as a literary agent. Right. I said, um, no. So I sent it to, to Rob Lowe and Brinker Rao over at Casting New Lives. And I said, you know, hey, are, are you guys interested in this? And then next thing you know, I get an email from Tony Moore. And Tony Moore says, hey, yeah, we're, we're actually starting our own publishing company. And I was like, wow. I was like, that's phenomenal. I, was, I didn't even know that. Um, so I said, yeah, he was like, can I have the manuscript? And it just all snowballed from there. You know, basically, if I had not read that thing from, from um, Antonio Sabato Jr., you know, saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm printing my book and I'm starting my own, my own thing. We're starting to, we're making our own, you know, parallel kind of like um, uh, corporations and everything, you know. So we're, we're veering right. away from Hollywood and all those other big guys and we're doing our own thing. And I said, wow, I said, yeah, that seems, I think that, that seems pretty cool. I said, so I said, you know, maybe I'd get in on the ground floor. And thank God, um, Tony Moore liked the book, uh, Brinka and Rob, you know, all of them at uh, Casting New Lives and Brighton Publishing loved it. So I went to them, and I didn't even know that they were creating, uh, uh, you know, a, a new publishing company. And they've been phenomenal ever since. I mean, my, I'm, I'm getting emails from friends and everything and calls saying, hey, do you know that it's like, it's being sold in Australia? Oh, wow. I said, really? Yeah, and they sent me a link that, you know, Australia. And then, and then they sent me another one, and they're like, well, where is this? And I said, I believe that's Sweden. Said, that's, <laughs> that's Swedish that they're speaking on this, that it, it translates. I had to translate from. So, yeah, my, my, what do you call it, has been phenomenal. My uh, distribution has been great. It's, you know, it's available on all the big guys as well as everywhere, pretty much everywhere else. If they sell books, you're going to find it there. Well, do you think, um, are we going to look at towards making it into a movie as well? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> asks me that, and that is, I would love it. I really would. Um, I think uh, I think it would actually I have I have the actors in mind, but they're uh-huh. probably like ninety percent of the budget. Um, but uh, I do have actors in mind, and I wouldn't mind um, uh, it being changed turned into a uh, you know maybe a, a series for a series. Uh, streaming or yeah um, or even you know because like you know I mean you could go the you could go Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is getting a series now. Right. Um, you could go with The Witcher. Sapkowski is mm-hmm. one of one of my favorite writers. I love his world that he wrote. Um, and so I mean, you see all these these three things really kind of getting their own. And I really think you could go either a movie route, you know, a couple of movies, or yeah. I really think it would also fit like a series, maybe. Right. Um, well, especially with the new technology a- coming out. If Antonio and those guys are starting a, a studio, you know this could be this could be one of their first projects. Oh, oh, God willing, God willing. That would be, I, I we're would, gonna, I would have we're no gonna put that out there. We're gonna put that we're gonna put that energy out there towards <laughs> making this into a series. And so 
all you producers, investors listening, make sure you get uh, Ari's new book, Dark Times Saga, The Black Forest. Listen, buddy, time is running out here. It's been such a pleasure to have you on and to meet you. And we will oh, be following you so much. Your, your career and you're welcome to come back anytime and keep in touch. And we, we're just so happy for you. I love, I love your story. Oh, thank I always, you so much. Yeah. I love your perseverance and, We've had two, both our guests today, Ralph, you know, are, are just a, an example of just saying yes and being open to opportunity and not and giving ten, up. And, and not tenacity, up. yes, exactly. Yeah. So Thank you, you all. Stay humble and keep pushing forward. Right, yes, exactly. absolutely. And keep fa- uh, faith and family close by. That's a really great yeah. message for all of us. R.A., thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, buddy. Another great show, Ralph. Right, yeah, and you know, you were so funny two weeks ago. You were when after um, Mr. Howard was on, and you said, "Oh, we're being very highbrow having these prolific authors on." So, RA really. you know, <clears throat> exemplified that, and along with Mercedes de la Cruz. So, as always, I mean, look, we can a- we can talk vaginas and sci-fi and Serbia all in one show. All in one thing, and that's why I laugh with Mercedes. It's like, oh, girl, thank God you still came on the show. She must have been sitting there going, vaginas inside. What am I getting myself into? But she is so perky and feisty. She was like, oh, no, hell no. I'm ready to go on this show. I'm saying. I realize she reminds me of Penelope Cruz, the actress. Oh, okay, trying, yeah. I was trying that's, to think of earlier who she reminded me of. But, yeah, I she's got that. I still want to know what a typical Serbian breakfast is. I'll have to Google that. <laughs> because, Something tells me it has a lot of pork, maybe. Well, she was that when she was talking about, oh, and they just keep bringing us all this food on the set, and I was like, during a pandemic, girl, oh, okay. Well, I guess they let, they've lifted that, you know, because when I was working last month, I told you, catering, well, you had told me before I went to set, catering is back <laughs> as though nothing ever happened. <laughs> you found that out, didn't you? On oh, Mr. my Bear. God. Yes, and I was able to take food home, which I always love to do, you know, so it is all good. I am, excuse me, I am happy that we are surviving, you and I, and society, and planet Eartha. Um, Oh, God, you know what I wanted to laugh with you, Jasper? Okay, these booster shots. So it's like, okay, Pfizer already has their booster. I heard today that Moderna, they're in their first stage of approving the Moderna booster, and then J&J is third. So that's why you were telling me when Cedric the Entertainer on the Emmys was talking about how, like, the Pfizer vaccine was like the cream of the crop, right? And then they right. Moderna. They were, they were Neiman Marcus. Right. And we're like the target, right? Yeah, okay, we're we're not no, we're like a t- uh, Marshalls. Marshalls or like Marshalls. or like big big lots. <laughs> uh-huh. like we're lots. like big lots, right? Ninety nine cent store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I just mentioned that ninety nine cent store too, by the way, on Facebook. But I was listening to this doctor yesterday on the news. And basically, you know, throughout this whole pandemic, we have all been deluged with cross mis 
information and conflicting information. Basically, this doctor ended up saying, you know, she starts, they're interviewing her on the news radio, CBS news radio. And, you know, first it's all clinical and scientific, you know, the Pfizer um, booster, you know, has been approved by the FDA and now the Moderna one is, and then basically she's like, listen, any booster you get is better in your arm than on the shelf. Um, if you've had Moderna and you go to the um, pharmacy and they only have a J&J booster, get it. If you've had a J&J and they only have Pfizer, get it. Basically, uh-huh. she said, just get whatever you can get, whatever they have. You know, it's like, it's such a like a hodgepodge of like, okay, so you go to the pharmacy, you know, you can't even try to be educated or have done your research. Well, now, you know, I've taken the J&J vaccine. Do you think I should wait until there's a J&J booster or should I go on and get this Pfizer? Just get whatever, just get it and get out. But but the problem with that is they won't give you the other one. I tried it already. You know, my doctor, my doctor had said I should go and get the Pfizer. But when I went to the pharmacist, they turned me away. But remember, you told me another friend of yours did that same thing, and they were like, okay, here, come and get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, I mean, now, but now in the news today, they really are pushing. There's, there, something came out today showing that if you had J&J and you get Pfizer or Moderna, it's actually better than if you get a J&J booster. So now they're showing that it actually has a better result of getting one of the other ones combined with a J&J. Oh. Okay. So today, tomorrow the 15th is when the FDA is having their meeting about the J&J boosters. So we should get a we should get something in the next week or so, hopefully. But um, why, yeah, why you're right. Take, I mean, it's crazy. I don't understand. Why does it take the FDA and the CDC so long to make their determinations when this is it's so dire and so urgent? I mean, it's like they seem like they're just like dragging their feet. It's like having a well, well, but remember, a normal before the pandemic, they usually took three to five years. Mm, mm. So, I mean, you got to be, you know, on one hand, we want it to be fast, but we don't want it to kill people. You know, right. so I mean, it's really the whole thing is really expedited. It's like, yeah, it's I kind of scary. I, get, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say what I'm about to say because it's like, okay, spoiler alert for the family business. But, you know, when they're trying to decipher whether heat is better than fire, you know, uh-huh. and they have and they have the two. <gasps> <laughs> people in the room and he's like snapping his fingers in their face and she's like oh god I feel really good <laughs> and they're like okay I guess it works then great you know <laughs> I mean oh you know whatever whatever drug works just take yeah, it wh- basically yes whatever makes you feel like you're having an orgasm just go on and well do you it know prior I mean when we first had the remember when the vaccines were first released they were like Definitely, when you sign up, just take whatever is available. You know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. how. I mean, I I ended up with J and J only because I just got in line to whatever um, was available. But yeah, but I I think uh, for the boosters, I'm going to kind of wait and see what right. they recommend. You know, what, yeah, what they exactly. Recommend. Oh my god. Well, Ralph, listen. Thank you for this extra time. I wish I could pay you extra, but unfortunately. <laughs> We're actually, you know, you, you still owe us. You're on a credit situation. Remember, we overpaid you so much before. 
it's, I mean, it's, it's not it's like layaway. Yeah, it's not layaway. It's called takeaway. Takeaway. So, it's kind of like Amazon Prime when you have a credit for returning something. So, like, I'm building up a credit with, you know, one-on-one, and, you know, uh-huh. I'll be able to redeem the shit for something, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> but I love well, getting to do this with you. I'm, I'm glad that we're both in West Hollywood. Oh, no. I'm in um, the Black Beverly Hills. Oh, Hill. God. Let me – you scared me. I thought you might be up the street or something. Out, like, oh, out fuck. the door. <laughs> <laughs> listen, well, listen, while I have you on here, I know it's a little bit premature, but I would like to wish Dennis Tarone a happy birthday tomorrow. Yes. And, uh, I know you guys have something lovely planned, and um, – We'll be in touch next week, you know. Well, listen, I'm... yes, everyone. Happy, happy birthday to my one and only Dennis Tarone. We are going to – Ralph, you're always invited, but, you know, if you were in the desert tomorrow night, we're having a little birthday dinner at a restaurant. Is everybody um, vaccinated? I... Is there going to be social distancing? Um, our uh, well, you have, uh-huh. to show, you have to show a, phone, a, some, a card, but honestly, I've never seen anyone ask – okay, let me just say this. I've yet to see someone look at a card and then say, can I see your driver's license to make sure this is you? Because otherwise, Ralph, anybody can have anybody's card in their phone. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no checking of anything. So I don't feel any more safer with the vaccine card than I do with anything I com- else. I completely agree with you. And it's the reason why people block out their birthday on the card when they photograph it is because that's a way for hackers to, if they know your name and your birth date, another easier way for them to do identity theft. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, but this, like I said, it's just I've had to show it at several restaurants now, and it, they they literally – I have it on my phone. I just – I just kind of wave it in front of them, and that that's it. There's no checking of anything. In other words, Dennis could have my phone. I could literally show it and then hand him my phone without right, him seeing right. me, and they and he could do the same thing. So right. yeah. I, my my point is that don't people don't let your guard down at restaurants or, or at these or places anywhere yeah. or anywhere, but especially if you think. Oh, and imagine like at the Dodger games and all these places where they're oh. they're saying they're saying the sporting events. Like anyone's really going to check at the Dodgers game. They're just going to people... see you flash something and keep going. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, listen, Ralph. Thank you for, again for another great show, everyone. Please uh, remember to follow us on uh, all the social platforms. One on one with J. Cole. I'm at Jasper Cole says S A Y S. Ralph is at out. Don't Ralph Cole Jr. If, listen, if you want me, just contact me through Jasper, okay? Seriously. Yeah, just go to jaspercole.com. I mean, I probably should go ahead and give Ralph his own icon on my website. Listen, but... when you want to book me, and you will, just call Jasper Cole and go, who was the Negro that was just so prolific on your show? We just have all kinds of work for him. Okay. And before we go, I want to say to you, I'm very <laughs> surprised and I was very shocked that you did not boomerang and I almost boomeranged for you, but when he was talking about caregiving for his <gasps> grandfather, oh. and tell me that there was not a point where you tried to slip it in. 
Jasper, you know when he said, well, you're <laughs> your home, you're home all the time. I thought you were going to say something. But see, uh, but see, that just goes to show you, Planet Earth, uh, even though I am the boomerang king, mm-hmm. I know when to give focus to our guests. And that's what makes a good podcast host. And I hope Al Maga and Lisa Rodrigo, who loves us already, know all of that, know that I am very, very full of myself. But at the same time, I can retract to let the other person have their moment of glory. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I want everyone to know that I actually was going to slip it in. I, there was a couple of times when, if he had paused even a breath longer, I was going to bring it for, for you, but it just didn't get oh, in there. God. So. We are so funny. I swear. It's just like, like Mercedes was saying, she was like, oh, wow, you guys, are, you really go at it. And it reminds me, like I said, 10 years ago when people used to say, well, I, 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 I didn't know when to come on. I said, it's like a train, honey. You just need to run on and jump on the train when you can. It's every person for himself. Oh, yeah. Toot, toot. Well, listen, Ralph, <laughs> on that note, everyone, we will see you back next week, Thursday, live, 6 p.m. Pacific. Otherwise, check out all of our archive shows. That's hard to say, being a voiceover artist. Check out our archive shows. Thanks, Ralph, <laughs> for the family business plug. I want to say again to thank you to Trey Haley and Indy Brown and Carl Weber. Check us out. We'll be the episodes are there, and you can keep it going. And we will see you guys next Thursday. Peace out, everyone. Take care. Bye, Planet Eartha. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.